Hey friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad you downloaded. If you haven't left us a rating review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, please go and do that. We would appreciate it. Um, Today we've got a a really incredible story for you and um, an individual. He is kind of everywhere. And I ran into him a few places online, got a chance to meet him a couple of weeks ago, and I can't wait to introduce him to you. He is an Air Force veteran. He's a TEDx speaker. He speaks all over the place. Um, a master resilience implementer, which I need to know more about what that means. Um, an inter- international radio show host. Um, his show is great. We'll talk about that. Um, a business strategist. And then he's also an author. Uh, please welcome to the show, Sean Douglas. Sean, welcome to Halfway There. Hey man, what's happening? I'm I'm having a great time. I've been doing a ton of these conversations, and nothing I really don't enjoy anything as quite as much as I enjoy this. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. I uh, I just literally um, got off of uh, of of my show right before I got on your show. Nice. <laughs> so- <laughs> That is the true mark of a podcaster, right? Just I'm, what we do, right? <laughs> I know. I want to hear a lot more about you. So I, I gave the kind of long string of titles. You're a busy guy. So tell us, give us sort of your your um, kind of a short intro of like what you do sure. and who you are right now. Sure. Yeah. So you know, I, I, I am all that stuff. Um, I delivered a TEDx talk in December of 2017 has been viewed 11,400 some odd last I checked. That's awesome. Um, you know, over 11,000 times was a dream come true. Dream, absolute 100% dream come true to deliver a TEDx talk. Um, such an honor. And then, yeah, I'm a business strategist. I mentor entrepreneurs, speakers, and business owners. And my brand is called The Success Core. So maybe I should add that title also to the <laughs> <laughs> title. So what, what do you but call yeah, yourself? So, Are you like the captain of the success core? So I, <laughs> I am just the founder and speaker trainer. Okay, That's good. <laughs> founder and speaker trainer of the success core. I should probably put that in my bio. But anyway, so what I do is I provide a framework of success that is easily implemented. And by implementing the systems and strategies that I teach you will reduce your stress, anxiety, and depression that you feel in your life. Yeah, which I think we can all use a little bit more of that, can't we? <laughs> right, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So yeah, um, as a master resilience implementer, I teach 11 skill sets in the mental, physical, social, and emotional, and spiritual domains of resilience. So I host four-day, or four-day, two-day resilience boot camps four times a year, every quarter. Very cool. Yeah, resilience is an interesting um, place. Like, it's an interesting topic to me, um, which because I don't think many of us get that training from our families. Um, so no. I, I'm, <laughs> in fact, we get the opposite, right? So I think that right. that'll be interesting. I want to talk about that some more, but I want to hear some of your backstory. So let's go, yeah. let's go back. I know that, uh, you grew up Catholic. So tell us about yes. what that was like. Um, we went to church on Saturday night and then we went to church on Sunday morning. Um, I was raised Roman Catholic. Roman Catholic for, I don't know, for those who don't, or maybe those are who are Roman Catholic. Yeah. Oh, like 
die hard. We believe in Catholicism. We believe in the Catholics decades or, you know, like, Oh yeah. Centuries. 400 AD, right. The Catholics that like the long lineage of the Knights Templar, like the whole, like, you know what I mean? Like Catholic, you know, we run the church. Yeah. We are the religion type of like stuff. Right. So I, you know, we did the Palm Sunday. I used to go to school with the ashes on my head because of Ash Wednesday. Um, you know, y- you had your first communion and the communion when you had to go every Sunday and do your confession. And you had, I mean, it was like, you followed the letter of the Catholic law and we have our own Bible, like the Catholic Bible. I mean, you're hardcore. Yeah. So, you know, when I was growing up, it was like, you know what? I cannot believe that you spilled that juice on the counter. Okay. God would be mad at you <laughs> if you were in heaven and spilled juice on his counter. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. So religion was like fearful. Like, but that, and you know what? My mom said that the other day to my kids. We were visiting my mom and she goes, Your kids aren't fearful of God. Mom, what the heck? What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, how can you fear somebody who loves you? Like, you're fearful that he might, you know, give you some adversity or, I mean, I don't know, punish you, whatever. But like, to be fearful, like, mom, come on now. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> Uh, so growing up, it was very, very difficult because I don't want to go hang out with my friends, but I can't cause it's a church function or there's, um, something going on because of a church holiday. We were in church, we'd serve at church. We, you know, so I got involved pretty early, uh, when I was about 10 or 11 years old with, there's a, there's a Catholic organization called the Knights of Columbus and they have a program there. The youth group is called the Squires. So I was a squire from the age of 11 uh, which I think is 12 or 13 you have to be, but I was 11 years old, was in there all the way to 18. I held offices. I was I was a chief squire in my local circle. So, I mean, I embodied everything, but I was still, man, had reservations like, like, why? Like, I would read the Bible, right? And then I go, but, like, why do I, like, if I have yeah. to confess my sins to God and I'm forgiven, why is there a middleman? Like, why am I in a confessional <laughs> booth? Like, but God has already forgiven me. So why am I saying 18 Hail Marys? Like, I don't, I don't get it. And the only response from my grandmother was because that is how we live our life. <laughs> like, wow. That is our Catholic life. Like, what is, I, I don't understand. So when I was 18, man, I left. I was like, I'm done, dude. Join the military and I'm out. I'll see you later. Wow. So you, you kind of just checked out. So it sounds like your, your religion growing up was very guilt and fear based. Yes. Rule based. Absolutely. Do this because we say so. Yeah. And you had some questions. Jesus said this. Right. (laughs) I was like, he did. And he didn't find it anywhere. Yeah. That's the interesting thing. Uh, you know, I grew up Protestant, so I've, I've got all those answers I, for you. <laughs> I, got you. I, got, I got you. Right. Right. But, uh, go to a Protestant church now. Go yeah. Here. Well, we'll get there, but, but that's, um, yeah, but we have our own problems. So, okay. So, <laughs> so you, we do, man, this is a common thing. This is the problem, right? There's, there is no religion is not what God has for us. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's awesome. My uh, my pastor, you would love it. My pastor is like, I have a lot of problems with religion. That's why we're not a religious church. <laughs> right, right. 
That's what he says. And you're like, like, we're not a religious church. Well, okay. Like, Dude, what are we? Anyway. I was so surprised at, and I've said this a couple times now, but at New Media Summit, the number of people who would say to me, hey, I love what you're doing. I'm 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 spiritual, but not religious, right? Because yeah, people have yep. people have an aversion to that. And we're in an interesting age where I think that definition of religion is seen very negatively. So anyway, we don't have to go too far into that. But sure. I think that's fascinating. So you left and you joined the military. Joined the military. Joined the Air Force. How about that And, uh, oh boy, joined the Air Force right after 9-11. I mean, I, oh, man, wow. I graduated high school. So, so really the deep nasty, dirty, dirty of my childhood was my mom and dad divorced because my dad joined the air force when I was five years old, six years old. I was going into like kindergarten, first grade. And then my mom quickly divorced him while he was in basic training, while he was in tech school, took us left and married another guy about a year later, but about a year later, married another guy, this particular guy from the time I was in second grade to the time I was in seventh grade, unmercifully, beat my mother, myself and my mm. older sister. Wow. So, um, he was a, he was an alcoholic and a, and a drug addict. And, um, I've watched him many times. Uh, dude, I didn't know what it was at the yeah. time, but you know, as you grow up, you're like, ah, that makes a lot of sense. Start connecting dots. Right. And so, um, he would pawn stuff. Like my sister got her bike stolen. Um, he pawned it to get drugs. <laughs> oh my um, goodness. I had, I had a bunch of game game stuff like Nintendo, whatever, like gone. Um, like, I don't know where it's at. Like, that's so weird. I was like, well, it was hooked up to the TV yesterday. It's not now. Like, where the heck is it? Yeah. So, you know, my mom's jewelry, everything. I mean, it's just, my mom had these baby booties that had our, um, inscription or names inscribed on the boot and had our birthstone in it. And he hocked that. And, um, you know, that broke my mother. I remember that night. That was, that was a bad night. It, it just broke her. She, I just, I mean, I, I, I felt the energy leave her, you know? And so, you know, for those for those years, you know, there was cops at our house and uh, we, we lived with my uh, with my grandparents in their basement for a little while because we got kicked out of the house. And then my mom got back with them. And then um, it was the same stuff over and over again. It just got to the point where, you know, he was like before you're kind of trying to hide it, like your shape, whatever. But by the end of the like by seventh grade, like I just walk in like literally I just walk into school, like got busted up face, whatever. Like what happened to you? It was like my stepdad beat me. Like oh, you just don't wow. care anymore. You're just like he. I didn't walk into a door this time. My stepdad beat me, you know. And my mom would tell everybody, like, "Yeah, I'm in an abusive relationship. I'm sorry." Like you just don't wow. hide it anymore because you're just so defeated, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, my dad's side of the family called a bunch of CPS, called the cops. Um, you know, they try to get you know all this court stuff or whatever. But finally, it was like one night, uh, my mom was beat and left on the floor. And, you know, me and my sister, like, we just, you know, we called number one. We're like, we can't, we can't do this, you know? So we started calling other family members, like, like, you have to come here. So while he was in jail, our whole family came and, and packed up the house in like two days and like moved us away and took us away. And, uh, and, and that's pretty much, you know, how my childhood was. Wow. So what did those experiences coupled with the, the Roman Catholic experience, what did that do to shape your view of who God was? I just, you know, I, I thought he was the kid with the magnifying glass burning ants, you know, like, like what are we doing so wrong? Mm. Like us kids, like what are we doing so wrong that 
we have to go through this. I, ju- I just cannot, I, I don't understand. Like, like, and, and I remember going to church, you know, I'm sitting in the pew and we're doing the, you know, we're kneeling and we're saying our prayers, whatever. I just remember all the time, like, God, why, why am I getting beat up? Like, why would you do this to me? You know, like, like just begging him, like, please God, like, like help us, you know, like just yeah. calling out, you know, and nope, nothing, nothing would happen, you know, until that one day, you know, that one day we were like, like whisked away, you know, and we stayed in my grandparents' basement for a couple of years. Um, until my mom got her life back. It was like about two, three years that we stayed there. We hid and, um, and it, we saw his car like drive by a couple times, but like we, mm-hmm. we would just hide. Like we wouldn't go outside for a little bit or like certain times we wouldn't go outside just so he wouldn't see us. Maybe he knew where we were somehow, you know, like it was just, yeah. So, you know, we started living with my grandparents who were devout Catholic, devout and uh, and really pushed the religion on us, you know. So you you need to get anointed. You need to get sanctified. You need to get. I'm like, what does that? I don't know what that stuff means, Grandma. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. You know. So we were in church Saturday night, Sunday morning. We were there, you know, an hour early on Easter and Christmas, and you know, Palm Sunday, and like you know, all that stuff. I'm like, what do we have these palms for? And you know, get hit with a Bible because you don't know what Palm Sunday is. You know, <laughs> you need to read your Bible. I'm like, what? So. Coupled with that and joining the military and telling people, like, yeah, I'm a Catholic. And they're like, oh, uh. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Uh, like, what? You know, so again, I'm embarrassed because, like, I'm this Catholic, like, I'm a devout Catholic, you know, like, I am a Catholic. And they're like, but you drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about being Catholic. Right. I was like, well, you know, we have wine in church, like, hello, right. you know. <laughs> But, um, but no, nah, man, you know, I, I joined the military and I got away from, from the religion and I just, you know, it, it started my downward spiral of drinking and, mm-hmm. and partying and just being, just living life at a low level. And yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. Yeah. Okay. So you were, you kind of just said, I'm, you're out, you're going to do what you want. Yep. Yep. And did whatever you wanted. Okay. Yep. And that didn't work. <laughs> well, I was, yeah. I was going to ask, well, where'd that lead you to? Cause that's, that did not work. Yeah. That made things worse. Okay. You eventually find Christ. And so you, you kind of get yep. to a whole new place. Fill in that, fill in that story for us. How sure. you got there. So, uh, so in 2004, I was leaving England because from 2002 to 2004, I was stationed in, in, in England and drinking age over there was 18, 19. So of course I'm drunk every day. You know, I'm like, Ooh, party, party, you know, big college, you know, big, big military, pretty much the same thing. It was a college, you know, yeah, we deploy. Yeah, we go to the Middle East, whatever. But I mean, literally, we're drinking all the time. So then I come stateside and I've got a huge tolerance over everybody who yeah. just turned 21 who can just now drink. Right. So I'm partying. I'm, I'm getting in fights and I'm doing stupid stuff. And then finally, um, I showed up to work drunk. And that was wow. that was the last straw. They were like, yep, you're done. Um, you know, we're going to we're going to remove you from the military. So instead of that, I self-identified as an alcoholic. And, uh, and I got put into the alcohol and drug prevention and treatment program for the military. I did that for two weeks, uh, graduated that program, was sober for a little while, and then was like, well, I'm good now because I went through these classes. I can better handle my alcohol. So I went back to drinking. In 2006, I moved to Hill Air Force Base, and that was the point where I hit rock bottom because I had lost all my drinking buddies. I had no one to hang out with. I was depressed, lonely, whatever. And whatever, I'm, I'm just going to go 
find people somewhere, you know? So I started hanging out with people that I didn't know. I'm like, screw it. Let's go to the bar. Let's hang out, whatever. And then I had a huge party at my house in 2007 and my house burned down. Oh, wow. So my house burned down and then they found out because it was a alcohol involved, you know, everything like that. Somebody set my house on fire because it was a huge fight at the house. I was back in, in to the, to the uh, alcohol and drug program and they said, yep, you're done second time. We're going to remove you. You know, there's that. And so I had to like beg for my career and they're like, man, you need some help. So I got therapy. I got some other stuff. It wasn't working because I just, I didn't believe in it, you know? So right around the time my house burned down, my wife, who is now my wife, um, we met when I first got to Utah, we were just friends, but she said, Hey, come stay with me. We'll get you back on your feet. You know, um, all right, whatever. So all my friends are gone. Like everybody used to hang around everybody that I used to party with, like they don't want anything to do with me. So I'm stuck with just this one girl, which comes to find out she's an awesome girl. And then we ended up marrying her, you know, so, um, had some kids and, Everything was great until it wasn't. And then we filed for divorce because I went back into drinking and I was like, well, I'm married now. Somebody can take care of me. They can pick me up. I guess I have a built in DD. <laughs> I'm like, heck yeah, dude. So I got to the point where I was drinking so much again that she's like, I'm done, dude. Like I'm done with this. We're fighting. We're arguing everything. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I ruin everything. I ruin everything. It wasn't the oh, alcohol because wow. it wasn't the alcohol. Right. I ruin everything. So yeah, I, uh, I actually, uh, December of 2008, I put a gun in my mouth and I was done. I, I, I just didn't want to live anymore. I ruined everything. That was my, that was my thought. I ruined everything. I'm not good enough. Nobody loves me. Um, I can't fight this addiction. I'm done. So a lot of people found out what was happening. Cause I had said like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kill myself. Um, a lot of people found out People called me, they came to the house, you know, whatever, saved me. And I got put into um, the military, basically pastors, the chaplains. Yeah. They're like, you will go see a chaplain. I'm like, oh, God, that's not what I need. I don't need God. It's God's fault anyways. Oh, so interesting. That was, my, that was my thought, you know. But I started talking to, to chaplains and he started praying over me. And, you know, I was like, well, I don't know. And started telling him my background and everything. He's like, you have a lot of stuff that you've never dealt with. I'm like, I don't want to deal with it. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be that kid who is just beat up and abused all the time, you know? And so me and my wife, it, I think what really set me into, to a tailspin was that, you know, in 2007 we get together and then like, we have a kid. Like, yeah. but I, but I was beat as a kid. Like, what if I, I mean, what if I turn into that? Right. I literally remember midway through 2008, um, you know, there's crying or screaming or everything. I was like, knock it off. Like I'm just screaming or whatever. She looked at me. She goes, Oh no, no way. And I'm like enough, you know, like I was yeah. like putting my foot down, like this is ridiculous, you know? And they're like, no, you know? And she's like, don't be like that. And like trying to tell me or whatever. And as I walked away from the situation, I realized I'm like, I literally said the same thing my stepfather would say to us. Wow. And I just lost it. I just went into a tailspin. I'm like, I'm just like him. I'm, I'm, I'm going to abuse my kids and I'm going to – baby, right? I'm going to abuse all my kids. I'm going to – you yeah. know, I'm going to turn out to be this druggy alcoholic and I'm going to – you know, whatever. And I'm just like just lost it. I just crumbled. Yeah, you were afraid of – because you didn't really have any – like it sounds like a good me uh, father no. mentors, right? So Except for my grandfather and, you know, my uncles and stuff. Right. Were, you know, yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't want to assign any meaning to that. Like, but it was me and my it's it different, me though, and my right? mom and two sisters growing up. Right, right. So 
so you're seeing, Hey, this is how I'm supposed to act. Right. And you're acting that way and you're not happy with it. I am, man, that just, it, it hurt like my chest, like mm. it hurt. Right. I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I can't believe, you know? And so that was the moment. I think that was really the pivotal moment that our marriage, our life, everything just, just dwindled. It just, you know, I just, yeah, it was bad. So, um, so, you know, 2009, I'm in therapy. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get my life back together. Um, trying to figure this stuff out, you know? And so I'm working hard. I mean, I'm really working hard. I quit smoking. I quit drinking. Um, you know, I'm living on my own. And, um, I remember they said that, Hey, our unit is going to close down. We need to get rid of some of our military. We're going to keep a little bit, but we need to get, you know, rid of some guys. And they said that, uh, you know, you're probably going to get an assignment. So you guys need to start thinking about where you want to go and what you want to do. I said, well, the heck am I going to do? <laughs> like, I can't deploy. I can't go TDY anywhere. I can't like, you guys won't let me go anywhere, you know? Yeah. And I said, well, I think we should be a drill instructor. I'm like, get the, get, what? A drill instructor? They're like, oh yeah, you have a powerful testimony. Oh, you have a powerful testimony. You need to go be a drill instructor. So I got all these letters of recommendation. I got all this stuff and, and they submitted it. And so in April of 2009, or no, yeah. In April of 2009, I was um, accepted. I was accepted to be a drill instructor in April of 2009. And I went down there around May, June-ish, May or June. Yeah, it was like May. So I got there like end of April, beginning of May, and graduated the program. Um, it was like weekend of July 4th. And uh, right in the beginning of July and graduated the military training instructor, the drill instructor program. And so I was a, I was a drill instructor, you know, and, um, from 2009 to 2013, I was a drill instructor yelling (laughs) (laughs) in basic training, you know? And I was like, I kept thinking in the beginning, I'm like, is this healthy? Like, do they not like, you know, but literally within the first year, Oh, I was hooked. Wow. This is what I needed. Like they, they, they saw it. They were like, you're good at this. Like, you're good. And so um, I was the 2010 rookie. So in your first year, you're a rookie. I was the 2010 rookie instructor of the year. I didn't know that being a drill instructor would lead me on the path to becoming a a professional speaker. It unlocked a passion that I never knew existed. I'd never spoken before ever. I was terrified to get up in front of a class in high school. Never wanted to be up there. But – this unlocked a, a a passion that I never knew existed, and that sparked my speaking career. Oh wow, that's fascinating! So it's interesting that people saw that in you, and they went, "Yeah, this is this is what you need to do." And when you get there, you find it, mm-hmm. and you love it. Yes! Wow, that was amazing. Did you did you watch um, what's what's that one with the oh, what's that famous Vietnam movie with the drill instructor? You remember that scene? Oh yeah. Um, um, somebody right now who's into the show is yelling at us right now. It's this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Okay, guys. Uh, full metal jacket. Full metal jacket. Yeah. Did you have full to watch jacket. that? Yep. I was oh, imagining yeah. that's oh, like. You have to. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. That guy. Of course, you have to use some lines. You know, you use some lines. Right. 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 Yes. Some of which are unsavory. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you start to come up with your own, and you know, it was all a show, and you know, whatever. Interesting. But, uh, but you know, I quickly. I quickly learned leadership. Yeah. I was introduced to, uh, 
I was introduced to John Maxwell. I never know who that guy was. And I was introduced to John Maxwell. So I started reading his books. You know, I started reading Failing Forward. And I started reading the 21 Laws of Leadership and the 15 mm-hmm. Laws of Growth. And I started reading books like Everyone Communicates and Few Connect. You know, and, and I'm reading these books and I'm like, this shit, oh my God, like this is amazing. You know, like where was this when I was in school? Where was this? Like, how come these aren't issued? You know, as a teenager, like, yeah, right. Oh my God. And so I was hooked. I kept reading and reading and reading. And I was never a reader before, but learning leadership and then applying it and seeing it actually work real time with my basic training flights, I was hooked. Wow. That that was, that was my new drug. Yeah. Dude, I totally agree with you. I, I wish that more leadership, more of that stuff was given out in high school. Like I could do with a lot less algebra. And, right. a, and a lot more Napoleon Hill. You know what I'm saying? Because okay. I've never used algebra after high school. Not once. Uh, okay. <laughs> when your kids get old enough, eventually it comes in handy. But right? that's the only time. And, you know, I wish that there was a lot more of that kind of stuff there. So I totally I relate to that. Wow. Okay. Yep. So so you kind of – so this like sparks in you a desire to be a better, a better person. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Okay. So how – how, how did you go from there? Because I think you said that you didn't give your life to Christ until 2014. Right. So, so in 2012, or actually 2011, my job changed. So from 2009 and 2010, well, yeah, so 2009 to 2011, really, um, in March of 2011, my job changed. Instead of being a street machine or a street pusher, you know, pushing basic training flights, I became what's known as a war cadre. So what you do is there's a bunch of different teams of instructors. There's the academic side where they just teach classes. And then, you know, because there's certain classes like like STDs, like an instructor actually comes in and teaches that particular class. Hmm. He is a drill instructor, but his job right now is to teach these classes. Okay. So my job as a war cadre, uh, we call it we call it the beast, which is the basic expeditionary airman skills training. They basically go to war for a week. They're sleeping in tents. They're sleeping on cots. They're basically putting them through an, an Iraq environment. They're in they're in a desert, you know. That it, it's all rocks, you yeah. know. I mean, there's some trees around, you know, but you know, we've made it look like you're in a deployed environment, right? So this is my job. Our neighbors saw that me and the wife were starting to fight and argue, whatever, because I was working such long hours that uh, we're starting to fight and argue and everything. So my wife and I ended up getting back together um, and moving to Texas in 2009 because we filed for divorce. We were done. This is stupid. We're, we're out, you know, whatever. And so um, so we filed for divorce then. And then in 2011, uh, she's like, we're going to pray over you. And we're going to, I'm like, ah. Yes, whatever. You know, so my wife's like all into it. Like she wasn't really a religious person kind of, you know, but she still believed. I was against it. I was raised. I don't believe anymore. Get away from me with that stuff. But uh, but she did. So come 2013, we're we're done. And my wife's been hanging out with our neighbors and taking them to church. I'm like, I am not going to church. I'm not giving that guy another ounce of my energy. I'm I'm not. I'm going to live a happy life, which I am. But no, I'm not going to say, oh, thank you, God. No. No, that's not happening. So in 2013, we get ready to deploy. 
and uh, find out that my wife is pregnant. Then found out my grandfather died like right after that. And two weeks after he passed away, which, which this is the devout Catholic. You know what I mean? Like this is our family rock. Yeah. You know, and I was like, there's God again. There's God again. Taking the people away from me that I love. I mean, the guy's 85 years old. You know, like, right. I mean, he's just, it's his time, you know. But at the time, I'm like, oh, there he is. God's God's punishing me again. Here we go. I'm deploying and he's taking people away from me. And, you know, I was just, I was hating him even more. So my wife, during my deployment in 2013, found a church here in North Carolina. We moved from Texas, went to North Carolina, and found a church called the Bridge Church in Princeton, North Carolina. She's telling me about it. She goes, oh, my gosh, you got to go to this church. Oh, my God, this is what we've been searching for. And I knew in my heart that we – I'm like, whatever. I ain't got time for that. So I get back from the deployment in 2014. I get back five or four or five days before our baby was born. So she did the whole pregnancy by herself. Wow. She's like, oh my God, I got to get this church, this church, this church. I'm like, I don't care. Like, stop telling me about this stupid church. And she keeps bucking me like every week. She goes, our pastor tells us that we need to invite people to church and I'm inviting you. I'm like, well, uninvite me because I'm not <laughs> coming. That's awesome. It's not happening. Well, then one, um, one weekend right before my birthday, my birthday, July 23rd. So right before my birthday, she's like, I'm going to ask you one more time. And, and I'm really not asking you, you know. You need to come to church like right now. Like I'm really not going to ask you. Like you need to come. And I was like, this is stupid. I was like, the church only wants your money. Okay, that's all they ever do is they want your money. They tell you what you want to hear to make you feel better, so that you buy bake sales and you have their church picnics. Like, kind of sound familiar, right? Yep. Yep. That's what the Catholics do: bake sales and yep. fairs and fundraisers and you know. I'm like, they only want your money. Like, they never give back to the poor, like people who really need it, you know, whatever. So, and I put in my book, okay, the book that I wrote. So I actually go there to the church, okay? I go to the church, and she's like, thank you for coming. And, you know, I'm like, whatever. Here's our pastor. I'm like, what's up, pastor, you know? <laughs> You're skeptical. He opens up the sermon. He opens up the sermon, right? And he's like, all right, guys, today we're going to talk about tithing. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it. They only want your money. I was right. I was like, I'll be in the car. <laughs> I'm out of here. She's like, no, 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 just stay. I swear to God, I swear, just stay, just stay, please, please. I sat there, arms folded. I was like, ooh, this is stupid, stupid, right? <laughs> the next week, I'm like, he's gonna talk about money. This is ridiculous. I swear, this is stupid. So we talked about parenting or we talked about love, love and children and, you know, whatever. And I was like, all right, I, I, all right, whatever. The very next week we go back again, birthday, you know, whatever. And they're talking about, um, they talked about, um, oh, something about spiritualness, like your inner relationship with Jesus, whatever. I was like, inner relationship, like. What are you talking about an inner relationship? I don't know what you're um, talking about. I've never had a relationship with Jesus. Like, what do you, what do you mean relationship? Like, I mean, I was completely like, we talk. I was hooked. I'm like, what are you talking about a relationship? Like, I don't, I don't understand. So, it got me intrigued, and I started reading the Bible a little bit. I'm like, wait, what is he talking about? Started looking up the. He would give us like these, um, these Bible scriptures, like like one sentence Bible scriptures. You guys can look up the rest, but this is what I want you to know. And he didn't turn it around to like make himself look better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I can do all things through Christ. Right. Like it wasn't like preaching like the famous stuff. I mean, we're in like Leviticus. I'm like, 
Who? <laughs> right. Like, that's in the Bible? Like, I'm looking like, yeah. I thought it was just John and Mark and like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so I thought that was, I thought the Bible, like, this is how much stupidity I, I knew or I had about like, you know, the Bible stuff. I was like, I was like, I knew about Corinthians because of the love verse and marriage and, you know, whatever. But I was like, the reading from John and Mark and Luke, yeah. that's what I thought the Bible was. But there's all these other books. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I remember a couple of weeks later, you know, we got the big worship music going. I mean, it's like the rock, like the worship, like it's not like the organs and the boring stuff, right? Yeah. So, and I cried for the first time ever in my life in church. Like I've gone to church my whole life. Wow. Right? Yeah. The first time. And, and I just, there was a song, you know, and, and, and the song was about, um, oh, I forgot how the song goes. Like, um, anyway, it talked about, uh, about relationships and it talked about like all this cool stuff, uh, uh that you need to do as a Christian and how God like, like loved you, whatever it was. Um, it song goes like upward falling. Um, I found my life when I laid it down. Yeah. I, I don't know. Somebody yeah. knows what I'm talking about. It's like every worship song. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I'm listening to this song. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? Um, and it says when my knees hit the ground. I remember that part. It was like when my knees hit the ground, you know? Oh, and yeah. I was like, oh, and I started bawling, right? And my wife's like, what is happening? I had like a spiritual awakening, you know, like in church, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, at the end of the service, he's like, anybody, he's like, everybody close your eyes, everybody close your eyes. Everybody right now, I want you to declare this, that Jesus is Lord of your life, you know? And I'm just standing there, I'm not saying anything, you know? And he's like, if you felt the Holy Spirit today, I want you to raise your hand. And I'm kind of like half looking around, like, like, I wonder who else, you know? So I'm closing my eyes, you know, and he's like, I want you right now to say, I surrender. Couple of people mumbled. He's like, "No, no, no, no! I surrender." And I raised up my hand, and I was like, "I surrender," you know. And he's like, "Everybody, right now, together as a church, will say, I surrender.'" And I was like, "I surrender." And then I started crying again, and it was like everything left—the hardship, the adversity, wow. the hate, the everything—like it left my body, completely left my body. And I left the church, and I was like, "Thank you for bringing me to church." Like. Oh, what an experience. And from July and August 2014, my wife and I have said prayers at lunch and dinner, um, every meal, whatever. Uh, we say our we say the prayers. Um, there's no TV, no, no phones, no nothing at our dinner table. Nothing. We used to watch TV together, you know, eating dinner in the living room and like yeah. Yeah, it's all done. No, we don't do that no more. It's it's family time. We say our prayers. We pray as a family. Um, we host small home group Bible studies. We host life groups. Uh, we serve at our church. I mean, we we poured our life into our spiritual yeah. journey now. That's awesome. Wow, that sounds like quite the turnaround, brother. It's, man. I, <laughs> so last year, um, they asked me, he's like, hey, because we're volunteering with the youth. And they say, hey, would you like to to speak to the youth? I'm like, Sure. I mean, I'm doing some public speaking like nobody's business. You know, 2017 was like my TEDx talk and like the yeah, radio yeah. show. And like, like it's like God put it on my heart. Literally in 2016, God said, you will. I, okay. So I've, I've always wanted to hear like, cause God told me, I'm like, well, what did it sound like? Yeah. <laughs> right? like, oh yeah. I am not joking. I was literally sitting 
on on the couch talking to the wife. I was like, I really want to start a radio show like this, podcasting stuff. Like, I really want to do this, but I don't like I don't know what the name of it. I don't know. Like, I don't know. And I literally was like, God, please, if you're listening, like, I need a name. I I, I need like I don't know what to do because I want to have the show, but I'm not sure. But God, I'm gonna leave it in your hands. I'm gonna leave it in your hands, and I really I I want you to just bless the show, and I want you to just name it whatever it is, whatever. And I am not even joking, brother, not even joking. My head, my head, I I like yeah. It wasn't like audible, but I could like life transformation radio. Like I like it came to me, right? Like hours later, I was walking around, uh, I was cleaning up dinner, whatever we were doing, or whatever. It was like life transformation radio. I was like life transformation. Man, the show's gonna be called Life Transformation. Yeah. She's like, what the heck are you talking about? I'm like, God just told me. She goes, No, he didn't. I'm like, it's so weird. <laughs> like he did. Like I felt it. Like I yep. it was like life like it was so weird. And yeah. after that, dude, I was hooked. I was like, God is my life, God is my savior, God is everything to me. Like, I don't care what you say. And I've gotten into arguments with people. Yeah. I never push, never push my relationship. And I do have a relationship. With, 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 you know, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and all that. But I never push it on anybody. But they say, well, why are you so religious? I go, I'm not religious. I'm actually not. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a deep follower of Christ. That's all, that's it. That's all I am. I'm a deep follower of Christ. I'm in a non-denominational church called the Bridge Church who has Protestant beliefs. That's yeah. literally, it's, 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 it's like Pentecostal Protestant, like stuff, yeah, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Because yeah, a lot that, of people that I go there are are Catholics who don't want to be in the Catholic Church. Like literally, and, and, and a lot of Protestants go to go to this church. Yeah. And, and Pentecostal. Oh, that's amazing! Wow, I can relate to that. Like wanting to hear from God, and then when you hear from Him, it's like outside of you. It's it's inside of you, but it's not you. And that's right. kind of weird when it's like your voice. It's a voice, but it's not your voice. And you're like, wait a minute, I don't. Mm-hmm. That's I don't understand. Um, I, it's interesting. Yeah. Have you ever felt called, like called to do something? Like I, mm. like, I don't know, but I feel a strong, strong pull to do this. Yeah. Um, kinda. Yeah. I mean, I, I've felt called to, to do something bigger with my life for sure. Mm. I didn't know what that was necessarily. So right. I've never been like, I have to go just do that thing. Something specific. So the, so the reason I ask is because, um, we were, we were cleaning out a bunch of stuff right? in, in the house. We had a, bunch of stuff from the move and everything. I was like, okay, we really need to declutter. And we had all these skateboards. And at the time our kid wasn't, you know, he wasn't big enough or old enough or whatever, you know, to skateboard. I think it was like 10 or 10 or 11. But anyway, um, so here he is, uh, you know, we got all these skateboards, whatever. And he's like, well, I want them. I'm like, no, we're, we're just going to get rid of all this. I mean, there's a ton of stuff. There's a skate park down the road. Yeah. So I go to the skate park and I'm like, I'm like, well, maybe these kids will buy them. Like, I don't know. There's a skateboard. Let's just go see. Whatever. Let's just go see. So I go to the skate park and I got these three skateboards. I'm like, hey, what do you guys think uh, about these boards and how much would I get? And, you know, I'm just p- kind of picking their brains or whatever. And the one kid's like, he is an amazing skateboarder. Like, that kid is amazing. And then I felt, I felt like something pull, like, like give them away. Like, just give them, you know, because I put them, I put them back in the truck. I'm like, that's cool. Like, that's awesome. Oh, thanks, guys. I put them in the bed of the truck. And I went to go in and I felt like I felt something like stopping me. You know, I was like, wait a minute. And I just kept thinking, I'm like, and I felt, felt 
something like pushing me, pulling me, um, telling me whatever, like just give them away, just give them away, just give them away. And so I turn around to the wife, I'm like, I'm just going to give them away. And she's like, what? No, uh-uh. no, 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 no. We're going to sell them. No, 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 no. I was like, no, I really think we should give them away. No, I really think we did. So I grabbed them and I said, you know what, guys? Here you go. Here's some new skateboards. And the one kid that's like, oh, my God, it's an amazing skateboard. His skateboard is like half broken. You know, so he got because they were pretty nice, nice boards that we just had. Yeah. Um, so these kids like got brand new skateboards like, you know, and, and I felt amazing. I just felt amazing. And so now almost every decision I make, I listen for that little voice. I listen for like, am I doing the right thing? Am I not? And I really trust what my body does and what my heart and mind does. So if somebody says, hey, you need to do this. And I'm like, hold on. Let me think about it. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I'm kind of just internally like, God, what do you think? And there were so many times, so many times where, and, and it's so funny because I, because something will happen and I've been praying about it, or whatever, and it doesn't show up in the way that I thought it was. It shows up completely different, but I recognize it. And I look up and I'm like, now you're just showing off. Like you're just, <laughs> now you're just showing off. But I do have that working relationship where like I talk to my grandfather, that. you know, who, who passed away. Um, I talked to him like, hey, grandpa, um, you know, like I'll be on the ride home. Just talking to him, hey grandpa, you know, I really miss you. And uh, you know, I really wish you could be here for me to talk to you about this and this and this, but I know you're listening. It it just, I don't know, it makes me feel better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then every road trip that we take, you know, we 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 it's kind of like Catholic thing, like you cross yourself, you know. And we say, Dear God, please keep us safe on this road trip and please keep other drivers away from us. And uh, you know, it, and it's just some yeah. of the stuff that we do as a family. Yeah, that's great. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff, other stuff that you're doing. Cause you mentioned you wrote a sure. book. Um, you have the success core, which I'd yep. love to know how you started that and, and kind sure. of way that what you're doing there. Yeah, we can run through that. So in 2016, I wrote the book decisions, the power to overcome self-defeating behaviors. And after every chapter is two inspirational quotes from um, public speakers, like, like Tony Robbins or even Gandhi um, Eric Thomas, people that I look up to. Um, uh, but there's, there's inspirational quotes from a lot of different figures in history and everything else. And then followed by a Bible verse. My book is followed by a Bible verse. Yeah. So I wrote the book as, as a way of therapy. It was, it was really, it was therapy is what it was. And so, um, that became, I, I, I debuted at number eight on Amazon's best-selling list. I debuted at number eight, had a lot of pre-orders, had a bunch of cool stuff, um, all involved in that. And, uh, my book has been bought all over the world and I've, yeah, I, I've toured every place, um, talking about my book and it's based on my journey to abuse child, alcoholic, military life, yeah. um, to, to Christian. And my pastor actually used my book as a sermon series, um, that was amazing. In 2016, um, I gave him a copy of the book and he's like, holy smokes. And so he, he made it into a sermon series. And so he preached on the principles of my book. Wow. That's you know, pretty amazing. That was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the success core was built and it all really stemmed in 2015. I said in 2015, because in 2014, I'm, I'm this master resilience trainer, this implementer, right? teaching all these resilience skills for the military. And then in 2015, I got asked to do it outside of the military. 
So I'm still finding ways to be a, to be a speaker. So what happened was in 2015, I said, okay, I'm going to write a business plan in, in five years, I will have a TEDx talk in five years. I will be a professional speaker speaking all across the world in five years. I will be the speaker that trains other speakers. I just don't know what it looks like now, but this is my five-year plan. So in 2016, I wrote the book. 2017, I started the radio show, Life Transformation Radio, and delivered a TEDx talk in 2017. In 2016, I also got the branding and the vision for the Success Corps, which is modeled after the military. Yeah. So this year, I created a mastermind based on basic training, tech school, and then going into the operational Air Force, the operational military, like you're doing your job. So I have three designations, three, um, um, what do you call them? Three segments Yeah. Um, that, that is broken down into different teachings and stuff. And it's focused on entrepreneurs, speakers, and business owners who want to get to the next level. And the next level being I am, now I accept everybody, but it's geared towards those who have five years or less of experience as an entrepreneur, as a speaker, and as a business owner. So if you want to start a podcast, come learn from the success core. You want to be a speaker, come learn from the success core. You want to get on TEDx stage, you want to be a business owner, you want to start a business, you want to start a nonprofit, you want to whatever, come to the success core and you will learn how. So my vision for the future is by 20. Um, what did I say? 2025. So 10 year vision. So 2025, 2026, something like that. My 10 year vision would be for the success core to be synonymous with John Maxwell certification training, right? Mm -hmm. To be synonymous with Zig Ziglar legacy speakers, Brendan Burchard's high performance coaching, Wow. James Malinchak speaking, uh, Michael Port heroic speaking, like all of these high level programs the success core will be synonymous with those programs. And then I want to be accredited to where I can accept the GI bill to teach veterans who are transitioning out of the military, a new skill to get them to be an entrepreneur speaker or business owner. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Uh, That's my vision. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's not small brother. No. (laughs) And, and you know, God's going to bless it. And yes, uh, he will. And it's just in every decision I make, I ask myself a bunch of questions. You know, I ask, I ask myself, what am I willing to do more of than anybody else? And the second question is, what am I willing to do differently? What do I want to do differently than what's going on around me? Yeah. And the third question is, how will I connect? How will I connect? So I told you that I was at the church and they asked me to come speak to the youth. I'm like, heck yeah. And I loved it. And the youth loved it. And then I got to speak to another group. And another group. And then I got booked at this other church and this other church. And I told the wife and I was like, this, like, if you look back at my 10 year, my 10 years right now, my 10 years in 2008, I am suicidal, trying to take my life, alcoholic, getting divorced, losing my military career. My life sucks. Right. Then I had to go through the adversity to get to the other side to survive, to become a drill instructor, to learn how to be a speaker, right? That was the academy to learn how to be a speaker. Then I had the skills to be a speaker. I had to have a platform to speak on. And then I became a resilience speaker, a resilience implementer. So that's my platform. And then I have the show. 
And now I'm starting to speak at churches. What if he wants me to pastor a church? My wife whipped around and goes, oh, no, I am not a pastor. You're crazy. I was like, well, you don't have a choice. Uh, She's yeah. like, she just looks up and she's like, hmm. <laughs> so I was like, maybe that, you know, but when you look at these things and you realize and you frame it in a way that only God can make this happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. God never wastes pain. Never. He never wastes pain. Yeah. He uses it to refine us, which I think is, exactly. is great. I often will ask questions about, uh, the dark night of the soul or the, or the kind of when God feels far away for you, you had those experiences before you really gave your life to Christ. And I don't know, you, you, you might have them in the future, but you had a lot of that. And, and so you, by the time you come to Christ, you're like on fire. Yep. Yeah, I love that. 100%. Wow. All right. Um, Sean, where can people find you and and how can they connect with you if they want to? Absolutely. So my website is www.thesuccesscore.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook. I don't do any other social medias. I'm only on LinkedIn. I'm only on Facebook. So you can locate me on Facebook. My group on Facebook is called The Success Core, C-O-R-P-S. Um, you can also join my community for my radio show, which is the Life Transformation Radio Community. And then, yeah, look me up on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you. would love to talk to you and, uh, you know, just meet new people. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate that. Friends, as always, all of the links that we talked about here today, including Sean's social media links will be in the show notes at halfwaytherepodcast.com. Just go out there and you can find all of that. Uh, Sean, anything you want to leave us with today? Oh, man. If I had to give somebody the one, like my message, the one thing that I always tell them, my message is that you have the power to say that this is not how my story ends. Mm -hmm. You have the power to give meaning to every single situation that comes your way. So turn the page, write a new chapter. Amen. That is awesome. Sean, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story with us. Honored, man. Honored to be on your show, man. It was fun. It was fun.